I invite you to take your Bibles and open them with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to concentrate on one verse, verse 15. 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to be looking at verse 15. We won't be staying just in verse 15. We'll be looking at some other verses, but let's read for now just verse 15. And it says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are full tonight of the glorious uh, grace of your gospel that has filled our hearts, that has shown us the way to forgiveness of sins and salvation through Jesus Christ. This evening, as we think about that and what it means and think about the glorious gospel that we have and the glory that you have revealed to us in it, we pray that you would help us to want to reflect that to the world around us. We pray that you would be pleased and that you would be glorified through us this evening, through our response to your word and through our attentiveness to it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. John Piper, in a book, Let the Nations Be Glad, it's a missions book that I recommend for the most part, he says, he opens like this, he says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. That's a great quote. I want to point out a few things that we can learn from this quote. First of all, that when we do missions, we should be careful not to obscure or detract from the glory of God. In other words, as he puts it, missions begins with God and not with man. Secondly, the purpose of missions is to spread the glory of God throughout all the world. And missions does this in two different ways. It does this by means of what we could call the process. When you take the gospel of Jesus Christ and you tell a lost sinner that uh, Jesus Christ has come to this earth, he was God and now has taken on uh, human flesh and become a man, that uh, he grew up and, and, and did uh, wonderful miracles and and showed the glory of God and the grace of God and the holiness of God and taught us the ways of God. But ultimately, he died on a cross to pay for the penalty of our sin. And he rose again and uh, is now ascended and seated at the right hand of God. And he offers salvation to all those who repentant would, would put their faith in Jesus Christ. When you share that message, you are sharing a message that glorifies God. And when people hear that message... God is glorified through that. So missions, just by the fact of of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, spreads the glory of God. But it also spreads the glory of God by means of the product. That stubborn, uh, rebellious sinner who's turned his back on God but, but falls on his knees in faith and puts his faith in Jesus Christ and becomes a true follower of God then God is glorified once again. So missions glorifies God by means of the process and by means of the product. And something else that I hadn't really thought about 
until I read this quote, is that when we are in heaven, missions will be no more. But God's glory and the worship of his glory will continue forevermore. This, this quote, like an arrow, should penetrate deep into the heart of every person who truly loves God. But we need to ask, is it biblical? I mean, after all, I've just quoted a person as if he were scripture. He's not. He's not infallible. I don't recommend everything he writes or believes. But I think this is biblical, and I think we find justification for it in the passage that we've just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. It's a difficult verse to translate, and I want to read just a slightly different translation that would help us understand a little bit about what he's saying here. So follow along as I read it again. It says, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Now, these all things here refers to Paul's ministry, both his preaching of the gospel. Now, let's look at the context a little bit. Verse 5 where he says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So it includes the preaching of the gospel, but it also includes his suffering on behalf of the gospel. Look at verses 8 through 10, where it says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So all of this, both, both his preaching and his suffering, everything he does, he says, is for your sakes, you guys in, in Corinth. Now, on the face of it, it sounds like he's saying that the gospel or, or, or that missions exist for mankind. After all, he's doing all this for, for mankind. But if we read the rest of the verse, we'll find out that that's not so. He says that his ministry to the Corinthians makes grace spread to more and more people. And the reason to spread grace to more and more people is so that they will abound in gratitude and thanksgiving. And the purpose behind having more and more people abound in gratitude is that God might receive glory. So we could summarize all of this by saying that the fundamental goal of missions is the glory of God. In fact, all things exist for the glory of God. You realize that if God did anything to give glory to someone else or to somehow obscure his own glory, that he would be guilty of idolatry? The reason for this is that uh, God is infinitely superior to anything else. He is the the one person that really deserves glory. He's the one person that deserves adoration. He is the one who gives value to all other things. So the fundamental goal of missions is the glory of God. We could put it like this. We could say missions should should seek to glorify God above all else. Or we could say that if you want to spread the glory of God... One of the things you should be doing is getting involved in missions. So that's what I want to concentrate on this evening for a few minutes from God's word. The fundamental goal of missions is the glory of God. And based on that statement, I want to make three more statements that kind of uh, explain this a little bit so that we can understand it a little better. 
And the first statement I would like to make is this, that this goal of bringing glory to God envelops all other goals. This goal of bringing glory to God envelops all other goals. Now, notice what I didn't say. I didn't say that there are no other goals in missions. Neither did I say that these other goals are important. There are other goals, and these other goals are important. But the, the most important goal is the goal of bringing glory to God. All of these other goals are subordinate to this main goal of bringing glory to God. This passage, when we look at it, does tell us some of these other goals of missions. And I want to look at them real quickly because I want you to see how it all fits together. And we're not going to take them in the order that you actually do them, but in the order that they appear in the text. So the first goal is the goal of edifying believers. Paul says, for all things are for your sakes. This could mean that all things are for your benefit or, or for the love of you. The all things here, as we've mentioned, refers to Paul's ministry. But the you refers to the Corinthian believers. So he's talking about something he's doing for believers here. In other words, Paul preached and suffered for the benefit of the believers in Corinth. Missions, whatever else it does, has to include as a goal the instruction and edification of believers. Now, you know that, right? I mean, even in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and and teach or or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This verse, the Great Commission that we go to over and over again, tells us very, very clearly that once someone has become a disciple of Jesus Christ and been baptized, that's just the beginning. Because after they've trusted Christ and and been baptized, that's when the real teaching begins. We teach them to observe everything that Christ has commanded us. So it's not just enough to win people to Jesus Christ. We have to teach them. The second goal that we have, actually you do it first, is the goal of evangelizing unbelievers. Paul puts it this way. We're back in 2 Corinthians 4. He puts it this way, that grace having spread through the many, or another way to say it would be so that grace which is spreading to more and more people. The grace that is spreading to more and more people is the grace of the gospel. Missions has to include the goal of evangelizing the lost. Look with me real quickly in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 33. I want you to see something about how important it is to evangelize the lost. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 33. And here Paul says, writing to the Corinthians again, he says, Even as I please all men in all things not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. Seeking the profit of many, that they might be saved. In other words, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see people come to Jesus Christ. If it means that I've got to do without certain things that that I would like to have, I'm willing to make the sacrifice. If it means that that I'm not going to do certain things that I have the right to do, I'm willing to give them up. Uh, In another passage, he talks about being all things to all men. He's not talking about 
adapting the message somehow. He's talking about giving things up so that people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's how important it is to win people to Jesus Christ. That's how important it is to to share the gospel message. But what I'm reacting to is, is this statement. Maybe you've heard it said that the only reason God left us here on earth is to evangelize the lost. Now, certainly we need to be evangelizing the lost. But I disagree with the idea that it's the main reason we were left here on earth. I think the main reason we were left here on earth was to learn how to worship God. And evangelism is just one of the ways we do that. So even this goal of evangelism, which is a very important goal, which demands great sacrifice on our part, even that needs to be subordinate to the main goal of bringing glory to God. Then the third goal, let's go back to to our verse, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15. The third goal that he mentions here is the goal of multiplying thanksgiving. Maybe you've, you've never thought of this as a goal of missions. But he says that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound. Let's stop and think about thanksgiving a little bit. What does thanksgiving mean? Thanksgiving does not mean just the mere repetition of the words, thank you. Thanksgiving is something that comes from the heart. I have a friend, he was our landlord for a number of years in Indiana, and he grew up during the Great Depression and served in World War II. And he talks about a Christmas during the Great Depression. You know, there just wasn't much stuff in the Great Depression. He talks about a Christmas where they had a gift exchange at home, and and his sister drew his name, and she gave him a pair of socks. Now, a 10-year-old boy just isn't, you know, when he's dreaming of a white Christmas, he's not dreaming of a pair of socks under the Christmas tree, but that's what he got for, that, for Christmas. Well, his mom also gave him a present, and, and she gave him another pair of socks. And, um, and he thought, you know, I, I get one more present, and I'm going to get a good present for my grandma. She always gives me good stuff. And she gave him a third pair of socks. Now, now he's from that polite generation. You know, I'm sure he said thank you every time. But he really wasn't thankful for it. I mean, he's complaining to me about it 50 years later. You know, he, he hasn't forgotten about these pair of socks that he's gotten. So, so just because someone says thank you doesn't mean that they have gratitude in their heart. But thanksgiving is also not just joy in the gift. If you gave the same 10-year-old boy a Nintendo or whatever it is they're playing, pay, PlayStation 2 or whatever, 3, I, I, I don't play those things, but... Uh, Whatever it is, you know, he might get very excited about it or opening the present and say thank you as he runs out to show his friends. He's excited about the gift, but but there's no real joy in the giver. The gratitude that we're talking about here is, is, is joy in the gift directed toward the giver. It's something that comes from the inside. Uh, a number of years ago, we, are, we were building a starter building in our church in Olympia. And we laid the foundation and put up the walls. And then our money ran out. And we were going to have to lay off all our workers. And, and you don't want to leave just the wall standing without... In, in Brazil, they pour a, a, a poured concrete roof. And uh, you want to pour that roof on there so the walls don't rot, so they don't fall down. And you know, a big wind can knock them over, something like that. So we ran out of money to do that. And I was fretting what we were going to do. And uh, praying, asking the Lord to provide... And one of our 
colleagues, a single gal who was working with my folks, gave us $1,000. And that was just enough to put the, the poor concrete ceiling on. And I experienced gratitude. I, I knew what it meant to be grateful to God and, and to her for this, this gift that came at an opportune moment. And something we learn about gratitude is the more unexpected and undeserved the gift, the greater the gratitude. Gratitude, you can almost see the connection in the two words. In, in Greek, it's very, very obvious. But gratitude is the fruit of grace. Grace, gratitude, they come from the same root. And in Portuguese, we have an interesting expression. We do have the word gratitude, gratidão. But we have an expression, ações de graça, which literally means actions of grace. And that's what gratitude is. Gratitude is actions in response to grace. And when this thanksgiving, this gratitude abounds, then you're really, really close to the ultimate goal, which is to glorify God. Once we get to thanksgiving, we're pretty close to the overarching goal of bringing glory to God. So the first thing I want to point out this, morning, this evening is that this goal of bringing glory to God envelops all of our other goals. The second thing I would like to point out is this, that this goal of bringing glory to God sustains all of our efforts. Back to verse 15, he says, uh, for all things are for your sakes. What things is he talking about? Well, let's look a little bit more in context. In verse 2, he talks about his transparency. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he talks about his transparency. Verse 5, which we've already read, he talks about his message. Verse, verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are the earthen vessels, uh, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The treasure is the gospel. The preacher of the gospel is the earthen vessel or clay pot. And, and so the second... Uh, the, the, the third thing that he does for them is his frailty and dependence. He talks about his afflictions in verses 8 through 10 and his faith in verses 13 through 14. All of these things, every, every bit of it is done for the ultimate goal of bringing glory to God. I want you to think about Paul's ministry with me for a little bit. He rarely had support, so he had to work for a living. You know, I know it's the new in thing that, uh, tent-making missions, you know. You need to be a tent-maker and not depend on churches to support you. Paul did that, but didn't think it was a great thing. He, he did that as a sacrifice so that he wouldn't be a burden to his churches. But it wasn't the ideal situation. He didn't live a comfortable life. He moved around a lot. He got beaten a lot. Did you notice that? You know, he'd get whipped and beaten and thrown in jail. and He suffered shipwreck. He was left for dead. He was stoned and left for dead on one occasion. By the end of his life, he must have been physically disfigured as much as he got beaten up. I, I can't imagine that he looked normal. What kept him going? What kept him going was his delight in the glory of God. Missionary work is hard work. Sacrifices have to be made. And... Uh, I give you an example. I give you John Leonard. You, you've all heard this story of how he got shot. 
And uh, a number of years ago, he was in the States, recovered from his gunshot wound, wounds, I should say. And he asked the doctor, he said, uh, Doc, how many years do I have to live? And the doctor told him, oh, people in your condition live about seven or eight years. And John said, then what am I doing here for? If I've only got seven or eight years left, let's go back to Brazil. That's where he is today. And uh, you would think that someone like him could say, I've done all I could do. I've given just about my last drop of blood for this ministry. I don't need to do anything else. Why would anyone want to become a missionary? And the answer is, because, the, the, because of the pleasure it brings to see the glory of God spread throughout all the world. That's why people should become missionaries. The third thing, third statement I would like to make tonight is this, that this goal of bringing glory to God controls all of our missionary work. It controls our priorities. Our, our priority must be faithfulness to God and his word and not results. Not that results are unimportant. After all, you know, there is a book in the Bible called Numbers. God does keep track of numbers. But in the end, the results don't depend on us. Adoniram Judson was the first American missionary sent to a foreign land. He went to Burma. And he worked, if I'm not mistaken, six years before he saw his first convert. He worked 20 years and only had a handful. It was only after being faithful for 20 years that he saw uh, men and women saved by the bunches. But in, in the, the first 20 years, it was very, very meager. What would you think of a missionary that, that came back after six years, on the term and hadn't, six years on the field and hadn't won anybody to Jesus Christ? We could get impatient with someone like that, couldn't we? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.17, he says, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. It's much more important to be faithful, to be sincere, to not corrupt the word of God than to win souls. Secondly, this, this goal should control not only our priorities, but our recruiting. The promotion of missions and the recruitment of new missionaries should be based primarily on the goal of bringing glory to God and not on human needs. Now, it's not wrong, and I, and I do say it, it's not wrong to say people are lost and dying and in need of a Savior. But the, but the greatest thing that we should be urging on people is God's glory needs to be spread. This was Paul's motivation for ministry. In Romans chapter 15, verse 16, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it. He says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. You realize what he's saying here. He's saying that to me, my church planning work is a, is a sacrifice that I make. It's an offering so that I'll have something to give to God when I'm in, in his presence. It's a sacrifice that I offer up to him. What are you going to have to present to Jesus Christ when you meet him in glory? Uh, what souls are you going to have to offer up to him as your sacrifice from being here on earth. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is in the city of Athens. It was just a way station. He, he had gotten kicked out of Thessalonica, and then he got kicked out of Berea. 
And so he, he went to Athens, and he was just waiting on his co-workers to arrive, and he hadn't planned to do any ministry there. But something happened in Athens that changed his mind. It says in Acts 17, verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. He, he couldn't stand the thought of other people, of other idols receiving the glory that God deserved. And he couldn't keep his mouth shut. He, 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 it bothered him to see uh, the fact that God was not being glorified. And so he had, to, he had to share Christ with these people. So this goal of bringing glory to God needs to control our priorities and our recruiting. It also needs to control our practice. Missions need to be controlled by the scriptures, not by traditions or fads. You know, it's easy to grow a church using methods that diminish the gospel and God's glory. All you need to do is change your music or look the other way when there's sin or plan events that appeal to the flesh or promise, as I've heard it promised, that anybody who comes to your church will be, be wealthy and, and not get sick. I mean, all you have to do is, is, is change the gospel somehow and you can, you can just fill a church very, very easily. But if your goal is not so much to fill a church, but to bring glory to God, that kind of puts some constraints on the kinds of methods that you'll be using. And finally, this, this goal of bringing glory to God tells you where you get your power. The power for the work of missions needs to come from God and not from man. Do you love the glory of God? Is it your desire to see God's glory spread throughout all the world? Are you driven by an unquenchable urge to see men and women, boys and girls, bow before God? If you are, then you need to be involved in missions. There are many ways to be involved in missions. You can give. You can pray. We hope that you'll pray for us. But in the end, the best way is to go. Uh, you can be a missionary. You can be a missionary here where you are, but, but there are lands out there that need more missionaries. Uh, we've been looking for a co-worker for, for years. Maybe the Lord would raise up someone from, from this church who would go work with us side by side in Brazil, starting churches. The Lord is going to get glory one way or another. Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be part of those who go and spread the glory of God throughout all the world so that men and women, boys and girls, will bow before him? Thank you, Father, for this challenge from your word. We pray that we would be consumed by your glory, that it would drive us to serve you. Help us to see the the goal of spreading your glory through missions. And we pray that you would work in our hearts tonight. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.